0: How are you guys doing today? So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. That was one of the best ones. So I did not know it was going to snow. Anyone else? Because this seemed like a shock to me. I, um, Emma texted me this morning, and she's like, hey, should I get a hold of the plow people? This is a true story. And I, you got to understand, I, I'm like, she's like, it's pretty slick. I'm like, what? And I asked her, I was like, what are you talking about? Is it ice or snow? Because I hadn't looked outside at all because, you know, I don't pay attention to life. And she goes... Uh, She's like, snow, and then I looked outside, and I'm like, oh, Indiana, (laughs) blitz blizzard. So um, I'm really glad to see you guys. I I thought for sure we'd even have less people, and those of you that stayed home, we love you. I'm glad you stayed safe. So if it is your first time, or really it doesn't matter, it's a good time to come because we're getting ready to start a new series. So I had two series that I'm very excited about, one more after the other, and um, I'm not going to tell you the other one, because if you don't like the idea of it, you're not going to come. So I'm going to surprise you. But I'm excited about both of them. But I decided to go with this one and the red letters. If I ask you, well, as a Christian, <clears throat> raise your hand, actually, if you feel comfortable. If you have no clue how. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most sarcastic church in the world. I should have known that was going to happen. My fault. That's 100% my fault for forgetting who you are. So um, raise your hand if you have no idea about the, the idea of the red letters be honest thank you you know what thank you because i always talk to myself in the crowd because i had no clue <clears throat> no clue what that meant um and it took me a long time again i tell the story all the time right i had new, my new believers bible that said new what an interesting thing right you already feel different being a new christian and then they give you a bible the first bible they give you for me said new believers so it's announcing to the world Right? I already like feel strange, and now, hey, that's the new guy, right? That's, it just announces it to everyone, but my, my new believer's Bible did not have red letters, so it took me a while to understand that. What are the red letters in the Bible? For those of you you people that know, right? If I say the red letters, what's that associated with? Man, you guys are confident that they normally ask you questions and you go, hey, so you can sound right regardless. Yeah, Jesus, in some Bibles, and they still make these Bibles red letter edition, all of the the words of Jesus are in red, and I think that's pretty cool, right? So you can go and look at it. <clears throat> but what I realized was, a few weeks ago I had this kind of epiphany. I think a lot. I'm wrestling with my faith a lot, if you can't tell. And I assume that you all do. Maybe you do or don't, but um, <clears throat> I do. And I try to, when things get too complicated in my faith or my life, and they're always connected those two things are always connected when my life gets complicated or hard there's something going on with my faith my spiritual life that's a fact so I start thinking I try to simplify it that's my big thing I want to simplify everything if you know me in life like I like to solve problems sometimes to a fault I just want to come in and simplify it Gabby's nodding way too excitedly yeah I just want to simplify it fix the problem So I started thinking, what does Jesus, have I ever actually went in, because I've never had this red-letter Bible. Some of you are like, Todd, I've done this, and then you want to zone out. I get it. You've read it a thousand times, but me too, I thought. But I started thinking, have I actually ever paid attention just to the words of Jesus? Then I started thinking, what if I just read, went and found in the Bible, and underlined every time Jesus said something, with no context, right, right? A little context. But for the most part, just reading what he said. And what I'm realizing, and we're about to go on an adventure together here, because I didn't. this whole thing's not finished. This whole series isn't finished. Let me tell you something. Pastors may trick you, and they, they may make you believe the whole thing's done. They're starting, and they've got 12 weeks worth of stuff. That's not true. There might be some guy out there that does. It's not true. They don't have all 12 done at once. I guarantee that. I certainly don't. So we're kind of on an adventure together. And I'm, I'm excited, and I told our crew that I'm excited because I'm learning stuff already. And it's already happening that things are getting simplified. So for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the words of Jesus. Now, I wanted to go through every single gospel and read every single word of Jesus. We'll be here all year, which is, you know, not a huge problem. But, you know, your guys' attention span down here. So we got to keep it moving. So for the most part, though, I'm going to try to follow every word in order. And we're going to kind of come back and forth. So today, actually, we're going to read from the book of Mark. See? Told you, Emma. It's not always John. We move ahead... We're going to kind of go through pretty much the first thing he said. We're going to skip a little section and then do some more because he doesn't say anything. And then we're going to come back to that. Todd, that makes no sense. It's going to. Do me a favor. And I always have to say this to you long-term Christians. And it happened even in our pre-service meeting. There's people in the pre-service meeting. They're kind of our leaders, right? In a way, right? They do this a thousand times. I'm not picking on them a little bit. And they zone out. They zone out because why? You've done it a thousand times. And if you've done something a thousand times, your mind tends to go on autopilot. Here's the thing, you have to actively try for it not to go on autopilot. And we're so lazy that we're like, "Listen, if he, if he can naturally keep me paying attention, right? That's on him. I am not that entertaining, at least not intentionally." Okay? So, you've got to focus. And long-term Christians, you have this tendency to say, "You're blessed. You're so blessed." To, to some of you, the like, cradle of graves what they call it, right? You're not in the grave yet, thankfully, but cradle up. You've been a Christian as long as you can remember. That's great, but there's a danger in that. And the danger is you know everything, and you carry that into church. And that's why your faith is dry, because you think you know everything. But we've got to remember what the Bible says, and I've said this week after week. The Word is a living Bible, right? They're living words. The Bible, the Word of God is living. And what that means is it's powerful, right? You kind of just skip over. It means it's constantly doing something new in you. And if you've been a Christian and you take everyone, you've probably heard the same thing, maybe in the same story five times, and then something about it that day punches you in the face. That's because it's constantly moving in our lives. The Holy Spirit working with the Word of God to transform us and continue this process. So, all that rambling to get you to say say and and try to focus. You can go ahead and turn to the uh, Gospel of Mark if you have by you a little time. <clears throat> chapter 1, so you're all good if you have a hard copy Bible, but um, I want to give you a chance to turn to that. So it's Mark 1. I'm reading from the CSB. I don't talk about versions a lot around here. Um, I've gotten, people get upset at me about that either way. Here's what I think. Are there versions that are better than others? Sure, there are, probably, okay? Um, I'm not going to go into the theory of that, okay? But uh, CSB is, is, is a good version for me because it's pretty literal, However, the wording has changed a little bit, so it's easier for me to publicly speak and for you to understand, okay? Just think of it that way. <clears throat> so each gospel, and I think I should explain this. Each Some people are like, the gospels tell different stories. They don't. They don't. I've told this story before. Right now, if I send you all out and I bring four of you back in and I tell you to say, to tell me or a reporter, what did Todd say? If you're paying attention, Right? I'm gonna get four people to pay attention. You're not gonna tell, say the exact same thing I said. Now you may get you're gonna get the gist of it, right? You're gonna get and you're gonna highlight certain things over others because I spoke to you, but it's the same story from different viewpoints. The gospels are the same way, and we overcomplicate that. And that's what makes the gospel so incredible and so trustworthy is the fact that these people all come together and the story matches. And if anyone tells you they don't, they're lying to you. They do, they match. Some give more details in other areas, some focus on this, right? There's some people that would come in and be able to say what I said word for word because you're that you know, type A kind of, I guess, maybe personality. And then somebody would be like, yo, he just said, hi, how you doing? He rambled a little bit, and we got started, right? And at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It ends the same place, but how we got there is different. And that's what's beautiful about the Gospels. And you're going to see that today. I'll, I'll explain. But I want you to do me a favor, and I want you all to use, we already found out many of you don't have imaginations last week, All right, but hopefully we're working on that. I want you to take that, and I want you to today imagine, okay, that Jesus is here, that we're following him. And what he's saying to you, you're having to take at face value, okay? Not what you read into it, not what, you know, some random guy on YouTube told you for a second. And I'm not saying those things are wrong, but just for today, let yourself soak in what he actually said. Because it should bring up questions, but it also should make you go, wow. Because what I think is so fascinating about the words of Jesus, absolutely it's the things he said. But what I think is crazy is what I found are the things he doesn't say. The things he doesn't focus on that as Christians we tend to focus on. It's so interesting to me. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, It doesn't mean we're wrong. But I think it's important to remember what was important to Jesus. So Mark kind of dives right in the action okay it tells us what happens he tells he jumps right in with the with john the baptist saying hey the messiah's coming i mean it's an action-packed book he comes in <clears throat> he talks about somebody's coming that i'm gonna not worthy to look at their feet okay I untie their shoes he says i baptize you with water will he will baptize you with the holy spirit all of us will go yeah that makes sense does it Think about that for a minute. So then, says Jesus, gets baptized, and a voice comes from heaven and says, "You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." So we get that right off the bat when Jesus gets baptized, and then immediately, I'm not, this isn't going to be up there, but I want to keep us going here. It says immediately, the Spirit drove him on verse twelve into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were serving him. Boom! You go read some of the other gospels; it tells you exactly what happened as he was tempted. This said he was tempted though, right? Does that mean it's lying because it didn't fill in all the rest of the details? Of course not. He told you what happened and he told you the end of it. So this is where we're picking up the story. Right after he comes back, right after he comes from this temptation in the wilderness, <clears throat> says 14 says, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. There we go. I have to stop. You all know what the good news is? Let me tell you how I know a lot of you don't know what the good news is. We did a documentary we're going to put out. This is a true story. Now, I, I sometimes get a little too big for my britches and think I have the, the, the ability to make like a two-hour documentary. I do not. Um, so we're going to drop like a 10-minute one. But what we did a few years ago, this is true. We went and asked a bunch of pastors in the area who volunteered, and they, they agreed, signed a little thing, <laughs> protect ourselves. And a bunch of Christians, both in the softball league and all these other places, and we just said a few things. What do you think about this? How do you get to heaven? And then what is the gospel? You would be shocked at how many people, and we, you know, I'm not picking them, that, yeah, I serve in the church, I'm a deacon, I do this. What's the gospel? They didn't know how to say it. They don't know the good news. They'd say something about Jesus, but they didn't know the good news. Because how did that happen? It doesn't mean they're not saved. What it means is over the years, they've become so used to hearing something. Right? And then instead of asking a question, right, because you don't get a lot of chance to do that in a sermon, they just kept moving along. And then after a few years, it's like, well, I've been at this church two years. I can't go ask them what that means now. And then on and on and on. So this is so important because that phrase is interesting to me, the good news of God. Verse 15 is what we're going to focus on today. It'll be up on the screen. The time is fulfilled. This is what he said. Quote, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay? Well, we've got to talk about that for a minute. The, time, the first thing's out of his mouth here in Mark that he takes the time to tell us is this sentence. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What's the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? What's the time fulfilled? Well, I'm going to tell you the time fulfilled. It was prophesied, right? Old Testament. I could go on and on. It was said that he was coming. But he says here, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is here, depending on your version. What's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, there's kind of twofold here. God created everything, and eventually all creation is going to acknowledge him as king, right? Jesus is king. It says, Scripture tells us that. It's now or then when he comes back again, every knee will bow. So some of you in the room that are investigating, you're like, I'm trying to decide if I believe this. At the end of the day, you only have so long to decide if you believe the truth because someday the truth is going to make you believe. But it says that. So in one sense, the kingdom of God is everything. He created it. Just because some of his people in his kingdom are rebelling doesn't make it any less his kingdom. A couple years ago, not trying to get political, but when people were running around, burning stuff and all this stuff, right, and destroying things, whatever you think of that, did they stop being a part of this country because they weren't following the law? No, they didn't, right? They didn't stop just because they <clears throat> uh, we did, they weren't out of the kingdom because they didn't believe or the U.S. government wasn't no longer in charge because they were rebelling. So in that sense, that's the kingdom of God, but there's something else he's talking about here specifically. And Those of you that said, I've heard the kingdom series, Todd. Yeah, but again, we have short memories. The kingdom of God is, I'm going to put it in just some non-fancy words for you. The kingdom of God is, is the willingness, right? The willingness to submit to Jesus as king. Right? The willingness to submit to the authority of Jesus, and that means following the laws of the kingdom. Okay? Let me put this into simple words. As a Christian in this room, if you're a Christian, what you believe, now some of what you believe and what the world believes, right, non-Christian world believes, they go together. The law agrees with us, right? The Christians say, hey, we shouldn't murder people. Our, Our society says we shouldn't murder people. Agreed? So it's there. But there comes a time and a place where there's a separation. And we see this, right, culturally. What's becoming accepted, what's allowed in, and, and not only allowed, but celebrated within the world, in the kingdom, we understand that that's not how it, has to, how it can be for us. We willingly follow the king and his laws in the middle of a world that has rebelled and turned their back on him. Colossians tells us, right, a beautiful verse, talked about a lot, right, that he has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. So When you become a Christian, you're no longer a citizen of this world. That's why scripture says what? You're an ambassador of Christ. Just because you're living here doesn't mean this is your home. And then from there, it calls us aliens. It says we don't belong here. And that's what we are. And make no mistake. See, we spend so much time as Christians trying to fit in. We want to be a cool Christian. Because, and here's the thing, you justify it by saying, if I'm cool, they'll listen to the truth. That's not true. That's not true. What makes you stand out and what makes them curious are the ways in which we are different. It's been that way since the beginning. If you go look in Acts, how many times does it say, what are those people doing? Right? And there were two responses to that. One was, I want what they have. Acts 2 tells us that. Their number were being added to daily. What else happens in Acts? It's either you want it or you want to kill it. Either way, you're forced to respond. When we go along with what the world says, when you try to be cool, and by the way, what's cool? It just means being a part of the domain of darkness. When you think of it that way, it changes it. I'm cool because I play with sin a little bit, but I still love Jesus. Why would they change? Why would they come face to face with the good news, and I've said this many times, we're going to get to that in a second. In order for it to be good news, you have to understand how bad your situation is. If you're in this room and you, do not have, you have not put your faith in Jesus, I don't care if your mommy your daddy has, I don't care if your grandma or grandpa, I don't care if you've went to church for 70 years, if you have not come to a place where you've willingly submitted to the authority of Jesus and put your faith in him and follow this sentence, if you haven't done that, I have some very, very bad news for you. Just because you get away with a crime doesn't make it any less a crime. Your punishment, you didn't get away with it. It's delayed because he's patient. Church doesn't save you. Your offering doesn't save you. Your good works don't save you. They do not save you. They don't. We'll come to that. So the, the kingdom of God is this whole system and he's come, right? And what I say this every week at the end is Jesus comes and not only he tells us what it's like in the kingdom before we messed it up. Here's how everyone's living. Here's how I intended for you to live. Guess what? I don't want you killing each other. Seems pretty rational. We're all, we're all for that. But what about things like, hey, you should love one another. You should forgive one another. You should take care of one another. When you see someone in need, you should, you should give to them. These beautiful things that we take for granted that the world, though they might do some good things every now and then, it's not a lifestyle. It's not, it's not their entire life, right? I serve in this. You put it on your resume, right, or your application to college. I go and serve at the soup kitchen every week. But your heart knows you do it, so it looks good on the application. I remember that from high school. They told me that. Hey, man, you want to get into college? These good college. Make sure you're going and doing stuff. Before I knew Jesus, I loved people, but... I thought I was awesome just because I would do that once a week. So he tells us it's what everything was supposed to be like. And we made a mess for thousands of years until this point. We're still doing it. And Jesus invaded this earth and brought with him the truth. And the truth is good news. Repent and believe the good news. Repent means what? It means turn away from it. Here we go again. I got to tell you long-term Christians, you're already going, I know about repentance. (laughs) Repentance. Repentance is, I, maybe it's just me, I'll preach to me. I'm constantly needing to be aware of my need to repent. I have such a natural bend to do things my way. I don't know about you, but I also have really good reasons how to, why to do them. My reasons are good. I can talk you into believing it, probably. And you'll go, yeah, that makes sense, but it's not the way of Jesus. There's some people in this world that, by human standards, I want to punch in the mouth. Just being honest with you, I'm not supposed to say that. I saw people's eyes get wide. That's That's the reality. Okay, old. I always say that. I call him LT. That's the, that's the me. That's what my family calls me before Jesus. And sometimes LT wants to come out like in flag football and a guy's in my face screaming, right, or wanting to push me. You guys know what really happens. In that moment, I have a game later today, so I'm already trying to get my mind right, right? <clears throat> and in that moment, LT's like, hey, man, why you let me take care of this? And I'm like, you're right. You're making a good point, <laughs> right, before Jesus, the, the real me, when, and and. You know, it's funny, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. There's so many times, he's, you know, that, that small, gentle voice says things like, yeah, he does deserve it. But I'm telling you not to. Right? It's a beautiful thing. Repent means turn away. Guys, the word literally means I'm going this way, I stop, and I go the complete opposite way. It doesn't mean I turn kinda, which is what we do when we're trying to be cool Christians. Do not have sex before marriage. Cool, I won't, but I'll do all these other things. I haven't really turned away. I haven't turned away from it. I'm just feeling a little better because I'm not as bad as the world. And that's not to shame you guys because the good news is coming in a minute. But that's the reality. Sometimes we have to say these things because that's the reality we live in. Now, I'll come to some of the rest of you. How about those that are unforgiving in the room? How about those that are judgmental, that put yourselves above other people? Nobody ever talks about that in church. We'll point out the adulterer and the the sexually immoral person, but let me tell you something. Some of you all have a real problem. Maybe it's just the camera people. You have a real problem with arrogance. You think you're above other people. You think you get to sit on the throne and look down on people because you haven't sinned the way they sinned. Every single one of you is one stupid moment away from being as bad as anybody else. And when you let yourself realize that, it changes the way you look at people. I hate sin. There's some things that I can't understand, but I mean this. I'm fully aware of what I've done in my life while loving Jesus. So I can look at someone and say, man, I don't gloat and I'm not joyful when I see a pastor fall or I see a Christian make a mistake. You should not rejoice in that and desire for them to be destroyed. How can you do that knowing what you've been forgiven of? But we do. Repent, and here we go, believe the good news. So if I've repented, that's it, right? I've stopped doing the bad things. No. I have to believe the good news, and the good news is what? That the kingdom of God is here. we right? won't talk about that. That Jesus didn't only come to show us and tell us what the kingdom is like, what it's going to be like when he comes and straightens this mess up, when he smashes the, re- the rebels, because he's going to. He's not going to be a lamb. He's not going to be a broken man on a cross. He'll be the king of kings and lord of lords, and every knee is going to bow. You will have no choice. Some of you are like, I'll have a choice. I'm going to be looking over you while I'm down and going, (laughs) I told you, right? (laughs) This is so important. So these are just the first words of Jesus. And all of you, like kingdom of God, and then he says, repent and believe the good news. What is the good news? The good news is what? That Jesus is who he said he was. And if he is who he said he was, I've come to forgive you. I've come to restore you to relationship with your creator. I've come to heal you from the inside out. I've come to take away your shame. I've come to take away your condemnation. I've come to take away the things that you cry about at night that you can't let go of because the world won't let you forget. I've come to erase it and to transform you. that sound like good news? but It's only good news if you know how bad you have it. come back to that. But I just want to explain that. See, I could just do a whole sermon right there. Be done with it. Drop down to 17. So right after that, now, that's what I told you. It's like sometimes when you read these, it's like he's saying one big long sentence. It goes together. It's weird. Right? So he meets a guy named Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. Guess who Simon's going to be? That's old Peter. Old Peter. Yeah. Anyway, and Jesus says what in 17? Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Second thing we have... Mark tells us, he says, follow me. Repent, believe the good news, and what? Follow me. This is very important. Two things happen here. I guess I'll get this out before I start preaching here. Follow me, he told them. Guys, th- what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to follow him? Does it mean just come to church? Have you followed him if you've come to church? No. If you just put in the time, what do you, are you really following him? See, sometimes we're like the crowd, and I said this before. Everybody wants to go there. That's why, you know, you do this long enough, you get used to seeing certain people, and, and I'm glad they come back here when life's going bad. I, I am, because they feel safe. But there's people that come when life's really bad, and when life gets better again, they run off. And then they come back when life gets bad, and then they run off. See, what they're doing in those moments is, I want some bread Right? I've said this before, it's like when he fed the 5,000. If you go watch that, they're, hey, the king's here, the Messiah. And as soon as he, they realized he wasn't going to do things the way they wanted him to do it, which is militarily overthrow the Roman government, as soon as they realized he wasn't, then it was kill him, kill him. That's what some of us do. We believe that following him, And I get contextually he's talking to to Simon and Peter, but he says, follow me over and over and over and over and over again. And then further on in the epistles, we hear words like, imitate Christ. Be like him. Can you be like someone you're never around? No, you wouldn't know how to do it. You might have a caricature of it. Oh, Jesus is a long-haired hippie guy. That's cool. But that's not what it's about. He says, follow me. Follow me. What is following him? I asked the group, the the pre-service meeting, guys, what does it mean to follow him? It's so important that these simple things we understand. You can't just follow him when he's doing for you what you think he should do for you. You can't just follow him when life is good. Sometimes he's gonna lead you into situations where you're not cool. Sometimes he's gonna lead you into situations where people are gonna be mad at you. Sometimes he's gonna lead you away from things you want. And that's why he says things like, listen, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to what? Crucify your flesh. Murder it. What's your flesh? That part of you that wants what it wants over him. Sometimes, guys, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that following Jesus makes sense to me all the time. It doesn't make sense to me. There are times I don't want to. And you're lying if you say you don't. But faith is not about, you know, you should beat yourself up either. Faith is, in my opinion, most beautiful. When you watch someone follow him, when they don't understand, when it's not what they want, all because they what? Believe him. Trust him. though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Even back then. Life is filled with valleys. It's not what you do on the, on the mountaintop that shows your faith. Sometimes we think that, right? If, I have, if I'm rich and I'm wealthy, and I've got a good family, then people will want to follow Jesus. And unfortunately, that's kind of what's happened in this country, right? That's how, you know, you get in situations sometimes where pastors, and I'm not judging their heart, but they'll kind of, that's the point, right? You're selling a product. Hey, if you follow Jesus and do what he says, you can drive a Beamer, wear nice clothes, have an attractive spouse and perfect kids, and live in a big house too, And then what happens when life doesn't go that way? Their faith was never in Jesus. It was in a caricature. Right, guys in the back? Middle schoolers, right? I can say that because one of those mine. How's the phone? Good. Got him. All right. This is why I look like a jerk online. But you know what? (laughs) I have, to, I have to pastor our kids too, right? Right, guys? You know better than that. What are we talking about here? It matters. I'm telling you. I wish somebody told me when I was 14. <clears throat> so follow me. We have to follow him. And if we follow him, he told them, if you follow me, I will make you fishermen of men or fish for people. There's a transformation that's going to occur when we follow Jesus. It is inevitable. It is inevitable. You will change even if you don't want to. If you truly believe Jesus, you're going to change even if you don't want to. He says that, right? He will finish the good work he started in you. He will bring it to completion. I always have this picture. It's like, do I want to walk willingly with him or do I want to be dragged by my ear, right? Either way, I'm going. Why would he do that? Because the end result, no matter how many valleys i got to go through, no matter how many things I have to walk away from, all of those things, no matter how much of that I have to do, at the end of the day, the end result is is good, and it's better than I can imagine. The Christian faith is not just about sitting here and waiting to die, and then the reward comes. Did you know that? That is good news. I would like to have eternal life. That sounds awesome versus hell. But he's working on us now. He's healing wounds. He's pulling out shame. He's helping us forgive. He's getting rid of the old uh, habits that we've used for life that always lead us to the same place. This is one of those topics that I get kind of, I want to do my podium throwing for because I can look in the crowd and you do this long enough and you can kind of see the fact that we just zone out. That's why I wrestled with this message. I I text Tim, actually, this time. I was like, listen, man, I got these two messages. They say, actually, what I said. You want to hear? I'll tell you. I'll let you behind the screen. It was a little aside. I said, man, if I do this one, I think it's really good, and especially going to be good for people out there that maybe are new to the faith. We're getting a lot of new people. I don't know where you guys are at, right? It's going to be awesome. But I know our remnant folk, they're too good for this now. They've heard Jesus too much. I said that. And so they're not going to pay attention. Or the next series, it's going to benefit everyone because it tells them how to live and how to have good things. And they're going to really want that. Because that's what we do. And I'm not, I get it. You don't think I've fallen asleep in a sermon before? You're crazy. Of course I have. Right? But these truths are no less important just because they're basic. How can you how can you have meat? I just read this myself, right? In Hebrews, how can you have this meat? How can you eat the good stuff if you haven't even learned how to drink milk? We don't take babies and go, "Here's your steak." You got to learn how to take this simple stuff in order to become fully healthy. And sometimes we skip that. Follow me. Okay, jump down. Verse 38. I'll make a point soon maybe. We'll see. Verse 38. Next thing he says. Alright, now I skipped the part here where he talks about I am willing. That could have talked about that, but I just talked about it a few weeks ago. The next word after that, he actually says is I'm willing. It's pretty cool. And he's talking to the leper. See how it could be a sentence? The time is filled, the kingdom of God is coming, repent, and believe the good news. Follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of people. I am willing. Pretty neat, isn't it? No? Mufasa. Uh, anyway. <laughs> 38. And he said to them. Simon and his companions searched for him because he was out. The People were starting to follow him, a big crowd. I'm going to give you some context here. And when they found him, they said, hey, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. A lot of things there. Why has he come? What does he mean? To preach. Well, Todd, I thought he came to, to die for our sins. He did, but we skipped this other part. He came to, in order for them to understand, he had to preach the good news. He had to preach the good news so if we're following jesus does it not stand does it not make sense that we too should be preaching if that's where he went we went now here's what i like this this convicts me i'm getting these holy spirit goosebumps right now let's go on to the neighboring village let me tell you the problem with the church with a capital c all of us today is we're far too content staying in our villages because we're comfortable Hey, it's the pastor's job to go out there and talk to people. Hey, it's the, it's the pastors. Hey, it's the youth guy. Hey, it's, they need to do more outreach. Let me tell you something. You are the church. How often do you go to the neighboring villages and preach the gospel? You want me to be convicted? This convicted me. Those of you that have neighbors, whether you know them well or don't, have you told them about Jesus? Do they even know you're a Christian? It doesn't always go well. This happened to me. Told the neighbor about Jesus. He was cool with me until then. This is a true story. And now he won't even talk to me. But the reason I did that was not because I'm better, because I got convicted by this. Do you go to your neighboring villages or do you stay where it's comfortable? Right now, Jesus could have stayed where it's comfortable. He could have been celebrated, right? Because people were liking him. The whole town was assembled. He was healing. They would, they were, he was casting out demons. Everybody was pumped and happy. They were like, oh, this guy's awesome. He could sit there and just gloat and sit in all of the fanfare and all of the celebration and just, and he would, would he have had that right? Did he deserve that? It's not a trick question. Absolutely, he did. He, if Jesus had just stayed there, for another week, and decided he just want to sit there and spend time with people that loved him in the moment, because he knew he was going to die later. Nobody would judge him for that. But he didn't. And when I look at the church today with a capital C, let me tell you what I see. I see a bunch of people at a big party. Now here's the thing: you have that right. You are saved. You are sons and daughters of the king. If you want to stay inside and not listen to him when he told you, and just enjoy the fellowship and enjoy the party and have a good time, you can do that, and it won't affect your eternal destination. But you're not going where Jesus went. In the church today, let me tell you the mindset that we have. Well, they see our sign out front. There's 265 churches. Somebody might know the number exactly. There's something like 265, 280 churches in this in this county. Well, somebody, I know, isn't that wild? Hey, well, they know where they're at. I didn't. Nobody invited me. Nobody told me. You, We assume that your neighbor knows the gospel. He doesn't. How do I know that? One of your neighbors doesn't. I didn't. I was a good kid. I was popular by the time high school came around. Nobody knew about the mess in my life. Nobody knew about the mess at home. Nobody knew that because by that time, I was really good at playing two different worlds. I was cool Todd here and I was LT here and I could play that game great and nobody knew I was hurting. Nobody knew that I wanted to cry. I didn't even know because that was life. And Christians were just a bunch of judgmental, hypocritical people. That's the big fancy thing, right? Terrible argument because we are hypocrites. We don't do everything we say we do. That's why we need Jesus, just a heads up. So when someone says that to you, you go, I know. You Christians are all hypocrites, I know. I am a hypocrite. I say that all the time. The point is, nobody knew, nobody my entire life, until 17 years old, no one said, hey, man, do you want to come and learn about the gospel? I'd even been to church a couple times, youth group. You think I ever heard the gospel? Not one time. My buddies would ask me, right? There was a giant church in my town where all the kids would go, right, and have a good time. There's no shame in that and party and have fun. And guess what? Not a singular time was I told the gospel. It took one time of hearing the gospel for my life to change. Who's going to do it if not you? If we're following Jesus, as we said we were should you stay in your home and just party, or should you be going to the neighboring villages? Notice he didn't say, let's go to the village over there that's cleaned up. Let's go where there's no lepers. Let's go where there's no poor people. Let's stay away from the prostitutes. Let's go away from that town. He didn't say that. He said, go to the neighboring villages. Right? The context here is he's going to all of them. Who's your person you won't go to? You got one. Who's the person that you don't want to talk to that you don't want to tell? I have them. Sometimes it's family, right? You're just tired of it. You don't want to deal with them. They hurt you too much. Who's going to tell them if not you? I want to jump down. Stay with me. We'll put this all together. Verse 5 of chapter 2, sorry. So after that, he cleans, casts out demons, heals another guy with leper. He says, I'm willing. There it is. I'm willing. And he goes to Capernaum. People gathered, they'd heard about him healing, and then somebody came, you know the story, bringing a paralytic, carried four of them. We know in other Gospels, they actually put a hole in the roof, right? Dropped him down to get to him. In verse five, it says this, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. It's one of those cases of where I'm, I'm, I'm shocked for me what Jesus didn't say, and the order in which he said them. The man comes down with an obvious need. He's paralyzed. That's why they brought him here. Right? That's, the, that's the need that in his mind would fix his life. If I wasn't paralyzed, I wouldn't be sad anymore. I wouldn't be lonely anymore. Who knows, right? I'd be able to work and make money, all of those things. If I just wasn't paralyzed, then the first thing Jesus does is say, your sins are forgiven. There's a lot in this and a lot of things I think about. He didn't tell him, I'll start with with the, I don't know, simplest one, I guess. Did this guy guy mess up in his life? Absolutely. We know that. Why? Ain't no one perfect, right? We all go around saying that. He sinned. It's interesting that Jesus didn't recount every sin he ever committed in that moment. Listen, you remember when you lied? I forgive you. You know how you're an adulterer? I forgive you. You know how you cursed me? I forgive you. You know how you stole? I forgive you. Hey, you know how you're you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're that, you're that, you're that, you're that. Hey, I forgive you. No, he just said, You're forgiven. Why? Seeing their faith. Their belief that what? Jesus could meet their need. They didn't even know the fullness of the gospel, they just knew that Jesus had the answer. Second thing I think is interesting here is Jesus meets the need that is most important for us, even if we don't think it's the most important. That's hard. I'm going to say that again, right? Jesus is always going to. God is always going to do for you what is is most good for you, even if in your mind what's most good for you is this. I use my story, right? When I was homeless and when I was, you know, I, I had this huge debt and I wasn't in college and all this stuff and I lost my girlfriend that I thought was my whole world. In my mind, truthfully, if God would have given me all those things, life would have been better. He didn't. He first had to fix and get me to understand the reality of this life, which is it can all be taken away. It got to a point, and so I'm so passionate about it, because I hope you never get there. But you may. You may come to a time in your life when you re- when everybody's walked away from you, and you are left with a simple question. Is this real? Is he enough? And you want to hear, oh, as soon as I accepted that, everything came back. No, it didn't. It was another hard year and a half in my life. People didn't magically forgive me. People didn't magically like me. My girlfriend didn't come back, and we moved off happily ever after. But the funny thing is I look back on that, and I've said this many times. I'm not just saying it because it's a pastor thing. I'm not a good pastor. The reality is this. My life would not be anything that would have brought me the happiness I have now had he given me what I thought I wanted. That's a hard thing to hear when you're in it. If someone had came up to me before he got me to realize that and said, listen, man, God isn't going to give you that back because it's for your good, I would have been angry. <laughs> but that's the beauty. When I got to the point when I let go of what I thought, and it, it was a literal moment when I said, that's it. I have nothing more that can be taken. I remember saying this out loud. I said, I was kind of talking to the enemy, which I shouldn't have done. I was like, listen, you want what are you going to do, kill me? And in that moment, I was free. You want to know what real freedom is? This is almost philosophical. I might lose some of you. It's losing, right? It's letting go of the idea that your concept of what is a good life is the only way that you'll be happy. There is freedom in Jesus. It's real. I'm not, and that's why when I talk, I just got this, and if it was one of you guys, it was a good question. Okay, so I'm going to reference it not in a mocking way, and if it is you got a real talk question said hey Todd whenever you tell the gospel you only tell part of it right the wages of sin or death you never talk about the second part because that's what we should celebrate and that's a good question right and the second part is right the the gift of salvation is free is free gift of God blah 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 you get it right the idea that hey but Jesus gives us life if I do that if you skip to that part right if I just skip to that part it, the news isn't as good. Let me put it in a different way. If, I, if, you have, if you're a millionaire in the room and I give you $500, you're probably like, eh, cool, $500, whatever. right? I'm going to go throw it outside and burn it. I don't know if that's what you do, right? But $500 is nothing. But if right now some of you in this room, if I came up and gave you $500, it would change your life. Because until you have a need for something, until you've accepted a need for something, you're never gonna appreciate how good something is. You get what I mean? And it's the same here. He, start, he says a simple things. See, some of you are waiting for God to, to tell you something new. Your faith is dead. You're waiting for God to, to light your fire. I don't know all the cool Christian phrases about that, right? My old buddy, I make fun of, Chris, if you're watching this, he always said, right? Your wood's wet. If it doesn't get excited, I don't know the saying. Okay? But he has some saying about starting a fire. She said not to do it. It's already too late. It's already recorded. I said it. But he said this, right? Whatever phrase you want, you're waiting for God to come in and light you up and give you a new revelation and, and, and make you, you know, make your marriage better and make your, your life better and all those things. God does care about them. But maybe, just maybe, you need to get back to the simplicity of one thing. He's with you. Your sins are forgiven. He's never going to leave you. He's going to finish the good work he started in you. And that whatever plans he has for you are better than you can imagine. Sometimes I guess I'm talking to the, void, the cynical version of me when I talk to you guys. That's why I say things like some of you probably are going, yeah, okay, Todd. But it's the truth. If you remember who you were and what you came from, if you let it sink in what he saved you from, if you let it sink in what eternity is, how good he is, your faith will change. It will. But if you continue to complain about what you don't have, if you continue to run away because he's not giving you more bread when you want it, you'll never experience the fullness of faith that you can when you let go and say, I only got to worry about one thing, following him. Following him is not just about not, I love it. That's why I love what he said. Did he say, you, Peter, do not sin any longer and do good works and walk away? He didn't say that. The Pharisees were already doing that. You understand that? You all act like you'd hate the Pharisees. You'd love them. You'd give, they'd have a massive church. You'd give them a ton of money. They'd be very popular. It'd be a great day. You'd love the Pharisees because they were good people. They weren't following God anymore. The purpose of Jesus, what he's done for you, the fact that you are dead, you were dead, it's real. We take that for granted too, but the older you get, the more real that becomes, doesn't it? Death is assured. It's a fact. If you live to be old, you are, hey, what a blessing, right? Maybe. Maybe those that die young are pretty blessed too, right, if they know Jesus. But at the end of the day, like, life is so short. And I know what I can say 100% is whether you're in this room and you've got a happy life right now, you've got a happy uh, marriage, you've got money, you know, you've got the car, you've got all those things. You know what I guarantee, if I put a lie detector on you? There's still moments you're laying in the bed and saying, is this Is this it? Is this it? I'm successful where's the feeling that i'm good enough where's the feeling that i'm happy why is it never enough and those things aren't bad money's not bad having nice things aren't bad none of that's bad but in and of itself it's worthless The most meaning and fulfillment you're going to have in your life is when you are fulfilling your purpose. And your purpose is what? To glorify God. St. Iranius, and, and I don't, you know, certainly the concept of, I only say St. Iranius because that's what he is. He has a quote, right? The glory of God is man fully alive. When you are living out of who you are, right? when you reflect his glory to the world, is when you're going to be most content, most joyful. And that's what's why I want to talk in this week and start with this stuff. Listen, I could have started with a lot more cool stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff. Like when we talk about the temptation, what Jesus said in the temptation, is pretty neat, right, what he didn't say. But it's so important for you to understand this. Get your focus right. Who is Jesus to you? And if you've been a Christian for 10 years, did he stop being who he was when you first accepted him? Has He stopped being the Son of God? Has He stopped being the Lord of Lords? Has He stopped being your Messiah? Has He stopped being the one who changed your life? Has He stopped being the one who healed you? Has He stopped? So if your faith isn't the same, who's changed? It's not Him. It's one of those topics that I feel like I could talk to you about way better one-on-one because The the temptation can be walking out saying, okay, I got to read my Bible more and I got to go serve more and all those things. And listen, those are beautiful, good things. But in and of themselves, this is a heart thing. Your faith is dry because of of that simple fact, right? That it's simple an idea to follow Jesus. The gospel is good news. It's simple in its idea, but it's complicated in its execution. Pretty simple, right? Hey, if you believe Jesus who he said he was, you repent. You say, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You're saved. Awesome. Now what? It's a heart thing. You right now in this room, if you've been listening at all, maybe 10, 5, you, whatever. You 5, I want to ask you something. In your heart right now, you know the areas that you're not following. They already came to your mind. I don't even have to say it. You know if you're one of the people that's like, oh, my goodness, he's, like I haven't been truly following him. I've taken my eyes off him because I got that girl now, so I don't need him. I got that guy now, I got that job now, I got whatever it is. Christianity is dull and boring and stupid and dumb if it's just this, this this system we have. I hate it. I've told you before, if you're gonna pick a religion that's fun, this isn't the one, right? Not that it's not fun all the time, but I'm saying if you if you don't want transformation and you just want some, you know, something. I don't know. Why would you pick the one in this culture that we have? Because it is ugly sometimes. Jesus isn't, but the culture we make of it is kind of ugly. We do it because it's real. It's about him. It's about transformation. You're a new creature, a new creation. What would happen if you followed him with your entire life? The reason we read the word of God, the reason we pray, the reason we worship is not for him. Do You understand that? See, so you think that sometimes we get this mindset that we're giving him an offering of those things. It's not for him. The offering's already been given. Christ was the perfect offering. It's over, it's finished. Those things are for us. So a lot of times I look out and I'm like, man, my, my faith is dead. I do it all the time. I complain all the time. God, this is stupid, why don't I feel? And then he's like, yeah, Have you? Uh, how many times you you, you you read the Bible this week? I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. He's like, well, you can't really complain until you, you do what I told you to do, you know? And that's fair. So are gonna come play some music. It's simple today. But it's, but it's not. And that's the thing that drives me mad. Maybe some of you in this room that are struggling in your faith, you, it, 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 it's dry. And that's why I ask, do you remember when you were saved? If you can't remember when you're saved, man, something's up. Even, you know, even when you're five, do you remember the moment When he changed you. Do you ever ask why don't I feel the same now as I did then? Because how depressing is it that we feel happier and more joyful at the beginning of the journey than we do years down the road? What does that say about our faith? What does it say about what this has become? Why did Todd, when he was first saved, feel more loved, trust Jesus, didn't question his salvation? Didn't question if his sin had separated him. Why didn't that guy, why was that guy more free than I am now, even though I know more? It's because it's so easy to start following the system, man. Who is Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? What does it mean? What does it actually mean? And it's one of those things that you can't halfway follow him. That's why I say you have to envision he's here, right? If he's here and he says, follow me, and he walks that way, and you stand and look at him through the window and say, well, I'm following him because I can still see him. That's not following him. You have to follow him. Go where he goes. Do what he did and does. Listen to him. It's not a game, man. We don't talk about the supernatural things. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, speaking to you, leading you, guiding you. It's real. It's all real. doesn't feel real. But that's because we're not following him. We're following this puppet, man, this modern, Americanized Christian puppet that we wrote Jesus on, and there's no life in it. It's hard to be a Christian, man. It's hard to follow him because when you follow him, they will hate you. It's inevitable. If it hasn't happened to you yet, if you have never been looked at strange, uh, hated, you know, ostracized a little bit—I'm talking kids in the back or people in the front—if you haven't one time been looked that way and seen as that, you are not following him. I'm being real; it's impossible. I hear it all the time. You know what people tell me? It makes me so crazy. Maybe it's just a fiery side. They're like, "Well, Todd, I'm a peacemaker." And that's what he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And that's why I can just make, no, you don't talk about Jesus. You don't tell people the gospel because the gospel is offensive, even though it's good news because it's an acceptance of the fact that I'm not good enough. And that's something the world doesn't want to hear. I'm going to tell you the cure. I'm going to tell you the answer to your marriage problems. I'm gonna tell you the answer to your lust problem. I'm gonna tell you the answer to your addiction. I'm gonna tell you the answer to your bitterness. I'm gonna tell you the answer, and you don't like it because you want me to give you 12 steps. I only have one. Follow Jesus. Follow him. Well, what if my spouse doesn't come? That's okay. Jesus said, right, that he will work out all things for the good those who believe according to his purposes. Do you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you love your spouse when they don't love you? Will you walk away from, uh, you know, the things you're addicted to, even though without it, it feels like you're going to die? Will you go to church when you don't feel like it? Not because I need you. Listen, if you knew me deep down, I am way too fleshly. I'd be like, if you came up and said, you just want me here, I'd be like, don't ever come here again, right? I'm telling you that you need to find a church home to be in because that's where he is. Where two or three are gathered, there I am also. Will you really follow him? Have you forgotten what this is all about? The answer is following Jesus. And it's cool. I guess sometimes I try to talk to the people in the room. I'm always talking to me that didn't know him. So I try to explain things. and Sometimes I over-explain them. So I'm going to talk to you people right now that know Jesus. You're saved already. And maybe the one, two, five, the the LT in the room that doesn't, I'll talk to you in a second. But people that know Jesus, I actually don't have to define it for you because you already know You need to follow. Stop halfway doing it. Stop partway doing it. If you want the peace that transcends all understanding, it's only with him. And it looks different for for some of you, right? It looks different for each of us, the areas that we just don't want to follow. Follow him. Live radically. Do what he did. Those in the room that don't know Jesus, or you've probably seen him and you think that you know him, Man, even the kids. It's like you're in this weird spot where you transition in here because you're supposed to be old enough to know and you don't want to be treated like a kid, but yet you still act like a kid. right? That's the reality. There's people in this room that don't know Jesus, and and the truth is it's probably because the Jesus you met wasn't the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus said, hey, if you measure up to this, you're good, and if you don't, you stink. Well, since nobody is good, we just hide it really well. How do I know that? How many people have you told that thing you don't want to tell anyone? Ooh, I got you. You already know I did. How many people have you told that thing you've never told anyone? Right? Todd, that's, that's an oxymoron. It is a little, but you get what I'm saying. He knows and he loves you still and he hasn't walked away from you. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, I got to tell you the bad news. I already told you. Listen, you are not perfect. And to be in a relationship with God, you need to be perfect. You have rebelled, you are a rebel. You are a traitor. You are the enemy of God. And it doesn't matter how good a person you are. That's a fact. Because one sin is one sin too many. You know, I heard it this way before, and I think it's beautiful. I've said it before. If we're both sitting there trying to jump to the moon, just because Michael Jordan jumps higher than me, neither one of us is close to the moon. In this case, the moon is perfection. You can't get there on your own. It doesn't matter how big a tower you make. It doesn't matter how high, you know, you hop. It doesn't matter if you build a, climb a ladder. You're not getting there. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin are death, you will die. Well, Todd, we all die. Yeah, but there's a difference. You die once or you die twice. Hell is real. There will come a time when you will be forced to pay the punishment, to pay the price for your sin, for your brokenness, and for your rebellion. You will stand before God, and he says, who is paid? And either Jesus will say, he's with me, she's with me, or you get judged by your own life, and I promise you, your good deeds aren't enough. Well, I'm cool, man. I'm 14, I'm 17, I'm 18, I'm 20. I'm going to live forever. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't. Well, my friends don't think, I don't care, because when you stand before God someday, your friends aren't going to matter. So it's bad news, but here's the beauty. The good news is that God had a way to bring you back, to restore you to relationship with him, so he invaded this earth. Jesus Christ, the son of God, came down. He taught us how to live, told us the way of the kingdom. We're going to learn and study more and more, and it's going to be neat and fun. You'll love it. He's going to tell us this good stuff, but he did something incredible. He said, there's a place, and I'm, I'm bringing it, that's going to be perfect, and you won't cry anymore, and you won't be sad anymore, and you won't be lonely anymore, and you won't. All the stuff that happened to you will be, You won't even remember it because of how good what I'm bringing is. And here's the beautiful thing I'm going to do. I'm going to help you get there. That's what he did. Because how do you get there? How does the door get open? The punishment has to be paid. You have to be perfect, and you're not. So it needs a sacrifice. Someone has to stand in your place, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross, a horrible physical death. The father turned his back on him, so he never has to turn his back on you. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Over 500 people attest to this. It happened. Jesus gives you no room to say he was a good person. He gives you no room to say he was a Buddha or a philosopher. He said what he said, who he is and what he is. He is the son of God. The Bible says this. If you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved, period. Period don't care what anyone told you that's it do it today i've watched some of you come in here i don't know you but you just get a sense sometimes i don't mean to sound hokey but it's true quit waiting you tell yourself you'll do it when you're home alone right and then something comes up don't leave today without knowing that your place is assured that paradise is waiting for you if you can't walk out today and say if i was hit by a bus i know i'd be with jesus then you need to take care of that today And if you're in the room and you feel like life has no purpose, maybe you need to take this time at the altar with praying with people or here. Take this moment, right, to say, Jesus, I'm following you. Help me to see the ways in which I have it. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.